special guest speaker this morning, Andy Lenton, who uh, has come all the way from Derby, which is about an hour away, but uh, he spent a lot of his time in Leeds. And uh, when I was thinking of going into the Elim ministry, because it's an Elim church, I was quite late on in life, um, I needed five people in Elim to give me a reference, and I didn't even know five people. So um, I'd met Andy once or twice, so I put his name down. So, and uh, so he was a bit surprised because I don't think he knew me that well. Um, so you've got a lot to uh, blame Andy for or thank him for. I don't know, whichever, whichever you'd like to do. But Andy's going to come and uh, share with us now. Let's give Andy a welcome. Bless you, Andy. Bless you, mate. You know when you get to write a reference about somebody you know nothing about? <laughs> And you're thinking, well, I can't make it up, but it's got to be truthful. But yeah, I thought I think I wrote you a fairly good one there, Phil. So that's it. It's lovely to be with you. I really like Birmingham. I'm a I'm a Yorkshire lad myself from uh, Sheffield, um, but I really really enjoy coming to Birmingham. It's great. Or I did before you had this clean air thing. Oh man, Do you know, I, I came to visit a friend of mine, Sarah Whittleston, and uh, and I'd bought something off eBay. And I'd bought something off eBay for about two quid. And I didn't realise that he got this clean air thing. And it ended up costing me 62 quid. <laughs> but anyway, there you go. I'm not, I'm not bitter. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I'd like to talk to you this morning. Um, well, I'll give, you, I'll give you my conclusion before we even start. And then you can listen or not listen. It's your choice then. So really, what I want to say this morning is don't restrict what God can do in your life by the things you say about yourself. Don't restrict what God can do in your life with other people saying things about you, about words from other people. And don't restrict what God can do in your life by the circumstances that you are faced with. Don't restrict God in any way. And uh, I'd like to use Jeremiah chapter 1 as one of the scriptures that I'm going to use this morning. So turn to Jeremiah, please. And um, we're going to look at uh, verse 4. In my church in in Derby, which is uh, Phil's and and, uh, both your home city, uh, I've got the Birmingham City under-23 coach. And he's a lovely guy, lovely guy. But he knows that I'm a Sheffield United fan. And uh, so he said to me, oh, I've got your tickets. I've got your tickets for when Birmingham plays Sheffield United at Bramall Lane in Sheffield. I thought, oh, great, I'll take my son. So me and my son went. And uh, when we went to pick up the tickets, we thought, oh, great. And then we looked at him and thought, oh, we're right in the middle of the Birmingham City fans. (laughs) And my son was saying, keep your voice down, Dad. Keep your voice down. You you haven't got a Birmingham accent. (laughs) But uh, they were very, very, yeah, very kind people but uh, they sang pretty crude songs but anyway there you go so Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4 says this the word of the Lord came to me saying so this is God talking to Jeremiah before I formed you in the womb I knew you before you were born I set you apart I appointed you as a prophet to the nations imagine if God said that would this be your reply so jeremiah says this alas sovereign lord i said 
I do not know how to speak. And I am too young. In other versions, King James and the English Standard Version, Jeremiah, it says there, says, I am only a boy. I am only young. And I want to look at uh, the power of small words today. We say some uh, powerful things, don't we, about ourselves sometimes. And actually, small words are, are, are very, very powerful. I was at Wheelie Castle just now, and uh, two people are getting married soon. The words I do are very small words, but they mean such a lot. If you're a parent this morning, no doubt your children, when they're growing up, uh, would have used the little word why. It's a huge connotation to that, but it's a small word. Or no is a very small word, but it's powerful. Very powerful. And this word only, only is a very powerful word. I'm going to use the word only as we look at where it's used through Scripture uh, this morning and look at the, the power of, uh, of that word only. I want you to turn also to Luke chapter Sorry, not Luke, yet. Uh, Matthew. Before we do, turn to 2 Timothy. We'll look at Matthew in a bit. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, I want you to imagine this scene. Paul, the apostle, is under house arrest. And um, it's not probably a filthy cell, but it's not nice because he's restricted. He can't go anywhere. And uh, he's writing to the churches and the people around and he's writing to Timothy and he's trying to encourage the churches and trying to stimulate growth and encouragement. And uh, Luke has given up his freedom to be with Paul. So Luke is acting as Paul's scribe, if you like. Many theologians reckon that um, Paul had very poor eyesight he, uh, he struggled uh, to write in one place in the Bible. He says, look at my handwriting. It, it's my actual handwriting because it's, it's so big. So Luke probably thought, being a, a good godly man, I'll go and help Paul. It'll be a big step for me because I'll be putting myself under house arrest. But I'll go and give up my freedom and, and, and be with Paul. Luke was a, a, an intelligent guy. He was a doctor. And I want you to imagine, as Paul is dictating these words. Luke's in the corner, so you can be Luke, Phil. And, uh, and Paul's saying these words. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness that the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that great day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his glorious return. Please come, because he's talking to Timothy, as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me. Now you're Luke. You're sat in the corner 
scribing away, got your head down, because, you know, Paul's not hanging about. Paul's really sort of like reeling off all this encouragement and everything like that. And he starts to say, you know, come, come quickly, Timothy, um, because this person has, has, has left me, he's deserted me, and other persons has gone somewhere else. There's only Luke. But bring Mark, because he's useful to me. Can you imagine being Luke in the corner, head down, writing away, only Luke is with me. Bring Mark because he's useful to me. You can imagine Luke looking around thinking, only Luke is with me. But bring Mark because he's useful to me. And Timothy, you come quickly as, as well because you're helpful to me. But only Luke's with me. Luke's, Luke's an intelligent guy. Luke's a doctor. Even though you might be intelligent, you might even be as clever as a doctor, the power of somebody's words could cut you down, could really start to diminish you so much that you lose your confidence in your own abilities and in your own skills and, uh, and acumen and everything. Only Luke is with me. Now, that's my take on that particular reading, obviously. And, you know, the Apostle Paul might be cross with me when I get to heaven. But anyway, I just think to myself, well, you know, if you'd have said that about me, Luke, I'd have been a bit disappointed because I've given up my freedom to come and support you here. And now you're saying, well, I've only got Luke with me, but send somebody else because he, he's useful. The power of words, negative words can be destructive. But, you know, no more destructive than our own words that we say about ourselves in our own head. We all have this internal monologue of how we describe ourselves. My grandma, long gone now, bless her, but whenever she used to call our house on the phone, she used to say, it's only me. So my dad used to say, oh, it's only you then. And, and you know, not quite put the phone down, but it, uh, he would say, what do you mean, only you, mother? You're my mother. You know, you're not just only anybody. You're my mother. The power of words. And here Jeremiah uses that small word that is so powerful only as an excuse to be able to get out of the will of God for his life. Oh, don't pick me, God. Don't give me anything to do because I'm I'm only a boy. I'm only young. It's a small word and yet it could have a really restricting effect on his life. If you look at what God says to him, that's pretty awesome. God says, I, I knew you before you were born. I set you apart. I gave you a mission to be a prophet to the nations. Well, if Jeremiah was listening to that a bit louder, then what a fantastic springboard to a life of faith and a life of fulfilling ministry. But, He's listening to his own internal voice a lot more than the voice of the Holy Spirit. How many people does that apply to here? I've got my hand up. We listen to ourselves far more than we listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying about us. And there's a remedy for that. There's a remedy for that. The remedy for that is read more of this. Read more of this. Read more of what God says about you. Read more of what God has done for you and who God is in your life. And if you do that, this internal voice, well, it'll kick and scream, but 
it will start to diminish. And that's what we as Christians all need to learn to do, to listen to more of what the Holy Spirit is saying about us than what we're saying about us. God the Father was encouraging Jeremiah of his, the importance of his life. Even before I formed you, I chose you. I, I set you apart. I've given you a job to be a prophet to the nations. And yet, Jeremiah says, oh God, he uses these pathetic uh, excuses. I, 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 first of all, he says, I, I, I can't speak. I can't speak. Secondly, he says, I'm only a child. God doesn't immediately deal with that first one. You know, I can't speak. He does later on. He tells him, well, I'm going to give you what, what, what you're to say. But straight away, God responds to, to uh, Jeremiah's limiting words. God says, do not say, I am only. How many of us know that's not advice that God is giving there? That's not guidelines that God is giving. That is a command. When God says, do not, it's a command. He says, do not steal. He says, do not commit adultery. Do not lie. They're commands. He's saying here to Jeremiah, do not say, I am only. Do not say it. Because God knows it's restricting. It's limiting what he wants to do in this young man's life. Before I formed you. Before I formed you in the womb. But God responds to that. Do not say I am only a child. When God says do not. Do not. Do not. So if you're... you're your internal monologue is saying, I'm only this, I'm only that, then don't use that word only. Why? Well, if you read it in the dictionary, you find out why God responds to it immediately. Only, in the dictionary, says this, derived from one. Only. Meaning solitary. On its own. You know, God has just said to Jeremiah, I was with you even in the womb. In fact, even before you were born, I knew you, I knew you were going to come into existence. I set you apart. I've given you a mission. No wonder God responded to that statement so quickly. He's just reminded Jeremiah of the significance of his life. He's just been told of the awesome responsibility that God has for him. God's reminding him of his constant presence in Jeremiah's life. And now Jeremiah's replying, saying, I'm on my own, God. I'm on my own. Friends, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you're never on your own. You're never on your own. You can claim that promise that God gave to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. When you've come into relationship with, with Father God... You are his child. His Holy Spirit has come into your life. And you are not alone in any situa situation, in any circumstance. You read through the Bible. There's characters all over the place that, uh, that tried to do all kinds of things. Jonah ran away from God. Did he leave God anywhere? God went with him. Elijah was depressed and in hiding. Was God with him? God was there. Samson was with a prostitute. But God was there. 
That's what made it bad. Paul was in prison. God was there, as well as Luke. (laughs) Even King David. When King David's writing that famous Psalm 139, he says this, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. You're always with me. Do you see what I'm trying to say to you this morning? You can never use a restricting word like only about yourself. Don't allow your mind to say that about you because you're not only anything. You're never on your own. I've got a motorbike. You wouldn't you wouldn't believe it actually it's in the back of my garage behind plasterboard and cement mixers and everything like that because when I moved to Derby I did a stupid thing about a house that needs doing up and if I see that guy from Grand Designs I'm going to smash his face in okay (laughs) but um, but I used to get uh, in trouble a lot from the police on a previous motorbike that I used to have because it was a bit too fast and uh, constantly getting speeding tickets. And uh, an old, lovely old guy in the Leeds Church, when I was in Leeds Church, bought me a, a, a sticker, a bumper sticker for my car, deliberately, not for the motorbike. And it said on the bumper sticker, uh, remember that at 70 miles an hour, the angels jump off. <laughs> and I said to him, yeah, Gilbert, that might be right, I don't know. But God is still with me. Because <laughs> God never leaves you. God never forsakes you. God is always there. Samson was with a prostitute. I was doing more than 70 miles an hour. God is still there. God is still there. He never leaves you. That's why God responds to Jeremiah really powerfully. Do not say you are on your own. Do not say you're only anything because it restricts, it limits what God can do in your life. So don't say it about yourself. But don't let others say it about you either. 1 Samuel chapter 17, passage of scripture you all know very well. David is uh, on his way to the battle, front, battle lines. His brothers are fighting. He's taking them some food. He gets to the, 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 the front line and out comes Goliath, this giant from the Philistine army. And... Um, He's challenging Israel. He's challenging the armies of God. He's goading them. Send a champion so I can take him on. And David's listening to all this. So David's looking along the line and nobody is coming forward. David's absolutely gobsmacked because David is a young man, but he's well aware that he's not on his own. God is with him. And so he's saying, Who's, who's, who's standing up to this, this giant? Who's going forward? Well, if nobody else is doing it, I'm going forward. And he, he steps forward. He quickly gets summoned to see King Saul. And in 1 Samuel 17, verse 32, David is reassuring Saul by saying this, Don't worry about a thing, David told Saul. I'll go fight this Philistine. Don't be ridiculous, Saul said in a very northern accent. There's no way you can go against this Philistine. You're only a boy. And he's been in the army since he was a boy. Well, that was doubly ridiculous. Because what Saul is saying, well, Goliath's been in the army since since he was a boy, but you can't fight him because you're only a boy. 
crazy. Men are crazy, aren't they? But anyway, they're Saul restricting what David believes God can do in his life by saying, you can't go there because you're only, you're only a boy. You're only young. He was this godless king. Saul was backslidden. Saul was miles away from God. He once knew God and he want, God was at the forefront of his life. But years had gone and uh, Saul was a pretty useless king by now. He wasn't even volunteering to go forward either. But he was far away from God and he was allowing ungodly words to fall out of his mouth on top of this young guy who was full of faith, full of the knowledge that God was with him. And he was about to face this giant. He was prepared to face this giant. Let me tell you, David was only young, but a young man filled with the Spirit of God is any match for any giant. Don't allow whatever anybody says about you in a negative way to restrict what God wants to do in your life. People might say to you, you're you're too old. Don't allow them to say that. You've only got a few qualifications. Well, if God's with you, what are qualifications? Sorry if you're going to university, but... (laughs) You know, well, you know, You're only good for small things. Don't restrict. Don't allow people to restrict you to just the small things. You're only from the rough end of town. Do you know what? You might be from the rough end of town. That might be a fact. But don't allow that to restrict you because God can take you into palaces and into places of influences. What did Mary say? Mary, from the most insignificant little village in the most insignificant part of the country, With God, all things are possible. She had faith. She wasn't going to restrict what God wanted to do in her life. She was going to allow God to have his way in her life. And she wasn't going to let anybody stop that. Matthew chapter 14 is a brilliant little uh, passage. Also really well known. But it's a fantastic thing that you see Jesus responding to in an amazing way Jesus has been teaching all day the disciples are starting to get hungry and so they suggest to Jesus why don't you just send the people away now you've taught them all day send them away because you know people need to get something to eat and Jesus knows what they're up to so Jesus says well you feed them and the disciples respond Matthew 14 verse 17 by saying this Impossible, they exclaimed. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish. We can imagine Jesus been teaching all day. He's probably a bit peckish. He probably fancies something to eat as well. But he hears that word. He hears that restricting word. And maybe, because he's God, he remembers Jeremiah saying that all those years ago. And Jesus responds, only five loaves, only two fish, give them to me, give them to me. And he starts to break the fish and the bread. And we know thousands of people got, got fed that day. Don't let circumstances restrict you. Restrict what God wants to do in those circumstances. Like Phil said, I was... I was um, ministering in a, in, a ch- in the church in the Elim Church in Leeds for 25 years, and we were in a 
city centre, old, decrepit, falling down building that was in the summer a sweat box because it was packed. It was a large congregation. In the winter, there was stuff dropping off the building, which every time you did, it cost a fortune. And it was really frustrating. And we were looking to move out. And there was no place that we could move out to. And it really looked like, you know, we were here for a, for a long time. And we were desperate to move. And we were praying. We were praying, God, look, help us find somewhere. And we heard that Leeds City Council were developing the city centre. And uh, they were going to come and talk to us because our building was right in the middle of one of the major development areas. So get your, vi- your building valued. So we did. So we got a guy to come, a uh, surveyor, surveyed the place, valued the building at about a million to a million and a quarter, which was a lot of money, but not if you wanted to buy another property in Leeds City Centre. So it was like, oh, it's not very much that. But when the developers came, Hammersons, who actually developed all the bull ring and everything like that, they sat at the table and they said, uh, well, we, we can compulsory purchase you as a church. It will be a long, drawn-out affair bit tedious we'd rather talk we'd rather negotiate with you you know are you open to negotiation and we played our cards close to our chest being good christians playing cards um and we said uh, well it all depends what you what you what you're offering really it all depends what figure you're offering and the guy the chief negotiator said well we've looked at your building we've looked at the land and we think it's worth in the region of uh, 8.9 million pounds and we sort of like were kicking each other under the table. And <laughs> oh, okay. And uh, in the end, when we finally moved into our brand new, it was a disused high school uh, where we were able to renovate half the school, knock down the rest and build a brand new super duper auditorium and everything like that. And the site itself, no debt, was worth about £14 million. We had no debt. The congregation raised almost two million pounds, which was incredible. And, uh, but God got that bread and started to break it. Got that fish and started to break it. And it multiplied. And a, a circumstance that we found ourselves in that seemed very restrictive and yet very low on resource was suddenly in the hands of God and God multiplied it. And, um, and now I'm in Derby, in a very decrepit old building. <laughs> but interestingly, Derby City Council have just announced they want to redevelop the city centre. And the development is creeping the way of where the Derby City Church is. And I'm thinking, do I really want to go through this again? But I'm not going to restrict God. Whatever God wants to do, God can do. And I don't know how much the building's worth. Maybe I ought to get cracking and uh, find out. But, you know, don't, don't use the word only. It limits. It limits because it means on your own. And you're never on your own as a Christian. God is always with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Even when you're in sin, God never leaves you. He never forsakes you. God is everywhere. A Christian should never use the word only. But there is one exception. You know it. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son. You see, like Justin Welby said a week ago, 
Jesus Christ is the only way. Jesus Christ is the only way to have our sin dealt with and our eternity assured. Only Jesus could die on the cross for your sin and my sin. Jesus, solitary, on his own, died on the cross for all of us. That's the only place that we can use the word only. Don't be mistaken in trying to find salvation in any other path. You might have friends of other faiths, and I encourage you to have friends of other faiths. But please, be salt and light in that relationship because there's only one way to the Father. There's only one way to salvation, and that is through Jesus Christ. He's the only way. And that's the only time you can use the word only because only Jesus could do it on his own. But don't use it about yourself. Don't let other people use it about you. And don't use it in any circumstance because it limits God. Let me invite you to close your eyes, bow your heads. I don't know whether this is a word, in, I trust it, it's a word in season for you. I trust it's an encouragement. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what's going on in your head. I don't know what you say about yourself to yourself. I don't know what you've allowed other people to say about you that's affected you and held you down for so long. I don't know how you view situations, whether you're quite negative, um, what's the opposite to optimistic, pessimistic in situations, and sometimes you think, oh God, I I do believe in you, but I don't think you're able to affect this situation. I'm going to pray. And if you identify with anything that the Holy Spirit has been saying to you this morning about limiting what he can do in your life, I'm really going to pray that God makes that shift in your life this morning. If that's you, maybe you want to, I'm not going to call you forward, I'm not even going to ask you to stand, I'm going to ask you just to stretch out your hands. Stretch out your hands before God this morning. Just out front. And as you're stretching out your hands, you're responding to God by saying, God, I don't want to set any limits on what you can do in my life. I don't want to set any, any restrictions on the activity of the Holy Spirit in my life and in my circumstances and maybe on what people have put on me this morning. And Father, as you see your, your children here stretching out their hands, opening up their palms to you, Lord, I pray Lord, that the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, would be so present in their life, Lord. You would remind them again that you will never leave them. You will never forsake them. You are with them at all times. And whatever they say about themselves and whatever other people have said about them, them, whatever circumstances has, has, has hemmed them in, God, I pray, Lord, that you would free them this morning. Lord, that you would affect their thinking so much so that there would be a shift. The Holy Spirit would shift their thinking this morning. And Lord, your voice would be louder than their own voice. Would be louder than other people's voices. Would be louder than the, the circumstantial situation's voice that they find themselves in today. God, you are powerful. They are your children. You have known them since they were, since they were in the womb and since before they were even born. You knew them. You've set them apart. 
And you've promised them you will never leave them or forsake them. So God, encourage them this morning. Lord, may they not be limited in any way as to what you want to do in their lives. May they be open to you. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.